0: hey guys welcome back and is back and we got another uh, movie review for you uh the 1992 film boomerang it's the reginald Hudlin film uh starring eddie murphy story by eddie murphy and i wanted to really get deep on this film uh reason being it's it's known as a cult classic and i think it is it's one of my favorites and it's Really just kind of in the upper echelon of romantic comedies, and I think it has a good premise, a good story, uh, definitely some great comedic scenes, uh, especially when you have folks like Eddie Murphy, David Alan Greer, Martin Lawrence, John Witherspoon, of course you're definitely going to have some laughs when you watch this film. I think it still holds up. It talks really good about relationships, things that matter, even to this day. I'm joined in this episode with my buddy Brandon. I went to college with my buddy Brandon. He lives in Atlanta now. And I think he, I wanted to specifically choose him for this film. One, because he he's in the industry. He's in advertising and marketing. And just like the main character in the film, he's a marketing exec. And I also wanted to talk to Brandon because he lived for four years in the city of New York, the city that never sleeps. So this film uh, episode, uh, it's going to talk about the film, but we're also going to go into a little bit of some tangents about living in New York, the aura of New York, and how New York really plays its own character in this film. So I hope you enjoy the episode, and let me know what you think. Take care. Bye. Yes, baby. Oh, oh. I'll
1: give you $20 for that least. <laughs> hey, baby! Dog.
0: Oh yeah, I lost a uh, white Springer pen with brown spots
1: on, named Kirby. You ain't got no romance. I, 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 excuse me, excuse me. I am the most romantic cat. Both of you know. Oh, TV! TV! Wait,
0: let me give you my number, cause I'm not gonna be able to sleep until I know you found him. Do you have a pen? Do
1: I? <laughs> man, stuff like that never happens to me, man. Stuff like that never happens to anybody except for Marcus
0: the night with me oh christy no it's just too soon like the only reason stuff like that happens to me all the time because i pay attention to women check it it's like jet
1: magazine <laughs> <laughs> i've been working here about nine days you know i've been on time most of the time even when it rains don't you think it's about time we talk promotion <laughs> <laughs> we're colleagues we can discuss business marcus I'm talking about a business dinner. Just business and straight and discussing our work.
0: You know, there's other things in life besides sex. Come on, how about sharing, commitment?
1: You know, you get to get in touch with your feminine side like Uh, me. I'm starting to sound low on the salt side. (laughs) I'm trying to impress you. You know that. I know it. Now, where would you get the mushroom, Sharon? I got to know. Well, the secret is you got to coordinate. Uh Uh-huh. Most people don't coordinate. See, you got to coordinate. Uh Look what I got Haven't you ever seen a guy and thought he was attractive? Women do stuff like that. You see other girls and you say, oh, she's cute or her hair is nice. But guys don't see other guys and go, oh, look at his shoulders. You know, we don't do that. <laughs> now, you know what your problem is? You need more romance and less dopamine tension. That's what you need. Oh, God.
0: <laughs> I have missed the Romance when I meet a woman. And then once I hit it, I lose interest. But that ain't my fault. Where
1: are you going? Get I have to down. give a speech in the morning to the board of directors. But thank you.
0: You were great. She love this like
1: a- <laughs> God, Marcus, I was so tense when I got off the plane, but you really relaxed me. Call me. Sad, man. First, the fat boys' breakup, now this.
0: Hey, guys. Uh, we're back. I'm uh, here again with my buddy, Brandon. We're talking about Boomerang. Uh, Boomerang, as we know, is a Eddie Murphy vehicle, a romantic comedy. Uh, it was directed in 1992 by Reginald Hudlin. Reginald Hudlin, we know from his director- directorial debut of House
1: Party. Um, initial thoughts? Initial thoughts are um, Boomerang was interesting to see such so successful Black people in a black business, but I was concerned. I mean, I, I rewatched some of it, right? I didn't have to rewatch *Harlem Nights*, because, but I rewatched some, and I was concerned about misogyny, patriarchy, like how much was going to come through and how bad would it be? Uh, yeah, had some moments, but uh, overall, I thought it was um, it was good. So this was
0: a '90s film, so you have to kind of think about what really doesn't hold up now. Yep. So, basically what it is, is it's the plot of a, a womanizer and uh-huh. whose main goal is to sleep with women. And this was someone that was non-committed. They didn't want to compete with any women whatsoever. Yep. And then as it turns out, he interacts with a woman that he finally feels he wants to settle down with, but he interacts with a female mm-hmm. version of himself. Exactly. So... Uh, and then doesn't like it when he's being put through the ring or being put through the kind of the 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 skies of what he puts his women through. Exactly. Um, let's talk a little bit about the cast. Uh, we have Eddie Murphy, uh, the women, Robin Gibbons, Holly Berry. Yep. You have his boys, um, David Allen Greer, Martin Dave Lawrence. Lawrence. Exactly. And I, I'm going to be perfectly honest with you I thought this was casted perfectly Oh,
1: yeah. I do, too. Oh, I mean, and it's interesting, right? Because now that we know Halle Berry to be who she is and what she was and what she would become, you would think, like, oh, she's way too big. <laughs> like, but right. She's just too beautiful for that. Um, but she just plays this girl next door thing. And, you know, they hair and makeup and whatnot, they kind of tone down her beauty. And if you look at it, like, as the film goes on, she starts to wear a little more lipstick. Yes. You know? <laughs> absolutely. So they start turning her into the bombshell that she actually
0: is. So... Let's talk real quick about Halle Berry. So she was casted out of a cast owner. so they had all this videos uh, of all these potential women, and Eddie Murphy was like, "That's that's the perfect cool. woman." Talk about a discovery! Yeah, absolutely. Man. Well, um, you mentioned her her makeup gets better; she looks a lot yeah. better because yeah, I want to say better
1: because you know, <laughs> yeah, when, any girl girl this yeah, not even, saying better, they put on more. Exactly. In the '90s,
0: that was like right. When they first showed her, when she first showed up in the first scene in the film, she's kind of showing up in these big, baggy, big baggy clothes. Almost just like a hippie-ish kind yeah, of. Lisa Bumday, yeah. coffee
1: show kind of fashion. She wearing little
0: hats. She's very worldly. And then in the very last scene, she's professional. Uh, professional suit. Uh, little these, skirt. <laughs> little skirt. Designer earrings. So you definitely see the growth in yeah. her as a character. So then you also have the other female uh robin gibbons and she plays jacqueline warrior and i think the one thing that was kind of interesting interesting about that is uh in the research uh, reginald Hudlin said that he had some concerns in casting robin gibbons because he felt that the public would not like her as much because of her actual life with tyson tyson yeah and He said that later in later interviews that it actually worked in her in the character's favor because the audience in testing the film didn't like her as much and and their love for Holly Berry grew. So I thought that was kind of
1: interesting. Yeah, and and I was about. It's funny that he even wanted her to be likable at all all, because you didn't need her to be whatsoever. I mean, as long as she kind of downplays being essentially, you know, maybe a bad person, um, you don't need them to like her. I mean, just power woman. Like, right. Ar- the archetype of that is not likeable, unfortunately.
0: And I will say the one other main character of this film is New York itself.
1: I'm glad you said that. That is what... That's what I wanted
0: to talk about. Because and the reason that I'm glad... and uh, The reason I'm glad we're talking about this right now with Brandon is because you have... Lived in New York. I have, and you're also in the advertising
1: world. I am. So, real quick, how long have you lived in New York? At one time that you did, I lived in New York for over four years. Okay. I lived in New York. What part uh, of New York? I lived in the Bronx. Okay, and for anybody who's familiar with New York, um, that is not the, the nicest part. It has some nice pockets. <laughs> I was adjacent to a nice pocket, uh, but essentially, you know, I mean, New York is expensive, and if you're if, if, Wherever you feel safe is where you can live, and I have the advantage of male privilege or whatever you want to call it. I'm a black male, so I can live a few different places and feel safe. Uh, the Bronx is is, uh, is one of those places, and I could get a big apartment for right. what people were getting, paying what actually paying less than what people were paying for closets. And I'm going to
0: trust your answers on this. So let's yes. look at let's look at Marcus Grant mm-hmm. and his 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 uh house, as you can say. Yes. So, real quick question. Uh-huh. You're an advertising. Yes. He's an advertising exec. Correct. Does an advertising exec have a house like that? No. Okay. No. Okay.
1: No. Okay. No. There's Absolutely not.
0: not. Does an advertising exec have a house more like Martin Lawrence's character? Yes. Okay. Or still nice, though. It was still, still nice. Not, I mean, I'm thinking, it depends on where that apartment was. So um, let's look at Marcus Graham's apartment.
1: Yes. It's more like a penthouse. It was a penthouse. It was
0: basically like what 50 foot ceilings? Yeah,
1: so like, it was 50 foot ceilings. And it looked like, based on like when he walked out on the patio, the view that I was getting, I think it was in Dumbo, which is uh, part of Brooklyn. Okay. Um, it could have been Jersey, and I'm looking at it from the other side. I wasn't really sure because it was a little blurred out. Um, but if we're talking about how much that apartment costs today. <sighs> With a backyard. Yeah. He had a terrace. Yeah. <laughs> he had a terrace. And yeah, that's an $8,000 a month apartment. Advertising execs don't make $8,000. I mean, it could me. be. That if, apartment might be more than 8000 a month. If they're, unless they're like a principal of their principal. Correct. Um, and, and even still, that's that's, that's pushing it. Um, that place, like they made it kind of look like a studio, but then it's like there's an upstairs. So yeah you know, it's, it's not a studio, I don't know, like, it, it was just interesting the way they, they, they laid it out. Um, but yeah, that, that apartment was ridiculous. I mean, that's a dream place. Like, live, if you live there in New York, like, you are inevitably going to have five kids and an STD, just, just because <laughs> you can't avoid it. Like, it just comes with the apartment. You get it when you check in. So, um, all right, you, you brought up a funny point, but Let's talk about
0: the nightlife in New York. Yes. So, let's say, just for That's the sake the of it, just, just, just for the sake of this conversation, you are Marcus Graham, okay. and you have that apartment. Okay. All you got to do is show women that apartment. I mean, it's not.
1: It's, it's not let's be real. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, that, that, that is. Actually, you might want to not show it at first, because you're going to get, like, everybody's going to try to... <laughs> Wife you up. husband Yeah. Like, you might not want to invite people over just yet. Um, and New York, you know, so you can go out, and I always say, when you live in New York, first of all, dating is hard, or I shouldn't say dating is hard, relationships are hard. Relationships are hard because everybody is in a relationship with the city already. You have your place, and for the most part, it's where you sleep and where you change. Maybe um, and that's why people can live in the closet because you're in a relationship with the city. like you go out into the city you you have you know your neighborhood, you got your go-to stores um, If I'm getting to know somebody and it's gonna be our first or second date and it's like a Friday night, right I know what me and my friends can do on a Friday night. For you to override that means you have to be special and exquisite. Because we're just gonna have so much fun with no plans. So I can just go from, like, you know what? I'm off work, you know, summer Fridays, we had summer Fridays I in Melbourne, New York. It's okay, office closed at like noon, one o'clock, and I'm like, and, okay. oh. like, yeah, you know, everybody ain't got this, so I'm just gonna go to the spot where I always go to for tacos and margaritas, which New York has terrible tacos and margaritas. But let's just go there. Um, and I'm gonna sit there, and a couple people are gonna walk in, and I know we can chat for a while. Before you know it, it's five o'clock and people are starting to get off. And then, now let's go to happy hour. Okay. And then, after happy hour, it's, well, we know that this spot is going to be popping tonight, but we got to find something to do from now to dinner and then from dinner to the time the club opens. Nobody wants to go home because if you go home, you're not coming back out. Right. So, you stay out, and the next thing you know, you're getting home at 5 a.m. Because if, let's uh, just on
0: your note, if you're having. I'm on a tangent. But if you're having happy hour at a place,
1: like, say, in the Upper East Side, mm-hmm. you don't want to go home because you live in Bronx. Correct. Or, or you live in Brooklyn. Right. Because living in Midtown, like, nobody does that. I mean, yeah. a few people do it. A lot of... And girls will do it, too, like, have their roommates and everything because it's, they, they feel safer. Uh, but, yeah, nobody's going all the way up to wherever they live or all the way down to wherever they live and coming back out. Hell no. And I would think it would it'd be different for, like, from a female perspective, right? That,
0: I mean, I'm just... Throw, I'm just throwing stuff out there but if you're a female professional living in New York and let's say one lives in Brooklyn one lives in the Bronx one lives in Queens you have that one friend that lives in Manhattan oh you're gonna all go over you're there you're all going over there to change absolutely yeah.
1: yeah all going over there to change they know it it's routine you're probably going to go back over there after club or whatever is over to stay tonight night or whatever yeah
0: and that's probably the same for, for guys too right I mean you would think if if you had one guy that lived in Manhattan yeah we can leave our stuff there
1: yeah um yeah I still have a friend who lives in Parliament that's who I'll stay with if I go um that, that, that's home base right? yeah. like yeah we can go to Darrell's, leave our stuff and then hit it yeah yeah but that's the way it is and that's why I like that's why you people are able to live in a closet because they use it as a closet and now, I'm, I'm, I know you mentioned we're going on a tangent, but we're not,
0: because this is exactly what I want to talk about. Because you mentioned, for someone that's living in New York, you're having, you have a relationship with the city, right? Yes. So, you've lived in New York for about four years. Um, when you first moved to New York, you have that kind of honeymoon phase, right? Where you're like, man, I'm like living in the city. Yes. I can do what I want. I can go do this. I want to go do that. How long did it take before you are real like, man, I'm over this? because eventually I think you get to a point where you're like I just live here I'm working I'm, and
1: now you're traveling to places outside of York. yeah like maybe three to three and a half okay. like I'm not one to linger once I feel like I've made that decision I mean as you can tell i moved to, to a few places um, so I, for me it took like three and a half years uh, but those first couple of years you would find new things to do absolutely the first couple of years are, are totally a honeymoon I mean it is just I I had never lived in a place where all I have to do is leave home, period, no matter what, no matter where I'm going. And then, you know, there's so many iconic things, like come Christmas time. I mean, New York, you know, people say it's magical, and it is. Um, And I come from L.A., so I hadn't seen snow in forever. And as soon as I got there, it was like one of the snowiest winters ever. So that was part of the honeymoon. Like, that was so cool. That was a good thing. And then, you know, by year three or four, it's like, oh, my God, it's snowing again. Like, I'm so over this okay I, 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 ain't no snow day schools are still open what, what are we doing a lot of people live here <laughs> so one of the things that I and
0: I liked about this film and I, a lot of other films that are based in New York is you have those films that really use New York as as a pro- propeller to kind of propel the film into a, what it what it's like to live in New York right yeah. you have Boomerang you even have movies like Hitch you know just with all boom. these different kind of Parts of New York, like for instance, and I know you've probably experienced this living there, is sometimes if you have no place to go, you just go to the park. Yeah.
1: And you're just in that big kind of lawn, and you're just doing what you need to do, right? I would actually disagree with that a little bit. Okay. The park is a place to go. Okay. The park is a place to go. Um, so, I mean, it's a subtle disagreement. It's nuance, right? But for the most part, if you don't have anywhere to go, you go to a coffee shop okay. or you go to a bar. The park is an activity. It's almost like, you know, you're going to the beach. Well, is there awesome. a, is, Are there bars at the park? Uh, you can get drinks in the park. Uh, and there are bars, like, around the park. Um, but there are not a lot of businesses in Central Park. Okay. Um, a couple of food carts. Um, and there's one... I can think of one spot right now um, that, you know, they, they serve drinks and everything. I don't know if I ever had a drink there, though.
0: There's also one thing I liked about New York, and I... I've got to experience this when I've gone to visit is, I mean, there, you have the huge park, Central Park, but then you have also have really small pocket parks. Yep. Right. Um, one one of the parks that I got to, uh, when I went one time for work was Madison Square Park. Mm-hmm. So I thought that was kind right. of interesting, right by the Flatiron building. Right. And I got to have a beer in a, in a Shack. at Shake Shack right? <laughs> and go there. And there's always these other things to do. One of the things that I, I witnessed when I went with my wife one time was I got to see for the first time the, the High Line area. And I thought that was really interesting. It is just to see that kind of uh, renovated,
1: uh, elevated uh, track. Um, Are they doing that here, by the way, in Dallas? So, it's not a, that I know of. It's an effort that you know our generation is starting to call rail to trail. Okay. Um, the High Line is, I think, kind of the best example of it. Uh, Seattle has the Burke Gilman, I think it's called, where it was you know used to be a train track, then they just paved it, and now it's. The, Path Atlanta has the belt line, so uh, it's a thing that's uh, getting kind of popular. There's one in Mexico City, too. Really? Yeah, it's cool. That's interesting. Uh, I, was, <laughs> I, was in a, I was in an Uber going to a museum, and we passed over these tracks that were like you could tell it, it was tracks, but it was paved. Okay, like, oh, I think this is like the Mexico City belt line, let's get out. And we did, and uh, it, it like we could walk to the museum instead of going all the way around, like, oh, this is this is a thing, so that's cool. Well, now let's. um, Another thing I
0: wanted to ask, and the reason I'm just, I haven't lived, I've never lived in New York, so I'm infatuated with the the fact of just living there and, uh, you know, kind of immersing yourself in the culture of New York, because I think that um, New York is a very different city to live in compared to any other city. Yeah, it's the only Um, New York in the country. Right. And one of the things I saw about New York is when I say it, New York is its own entity. In films, it's very e- evident. Even in the uh, series uh, that uh, vehicle on Netflix by uh, Aziz Ar- Ansari. I haven't seen it. It's uh, it off the vehicle. Yeah, it's he has his own series and Master of None. Oh, okay. I saw season one of that. I don't know if I saw season so, two. He has a series on Netflix, but there's one in particular where they're always filming in New York. Right. Yeah. And there's one in particular where he's going on a bunch of dates, mm-hmm. and he's dating all these different girls, and he's he's taking all these different girls to the same place. Yeah. And I think they did that just same to place. for easier to, to film it there. Sure. But it he, he, it almost normalizes the Tinder atmosphere because he's on Tinder. Yeah. And he's meeting all these different girls on Tinder. Is is that
1: really as popular as it is in New York? I. Yeah think so like the app thing you mean yeah or yeah I think the app thing is definitely uh, prominent there what isn't is taking somebody's taking like a date to the same place all the time okay um you can have your spots but you don't want to take a date to your spot because that's your spot that's not your date spot okay <laughs> okay to have a date spot is just gonna I mean you're gonna try something new yeah 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 essentially and that's kind of the the goal for both of you is like let's do something new like we both live here um, but yeah I, I don't think that at least the people I know didn't date like they didn't take people to the same place every time and I think if we were to age this movie if it was to be filmed now uh-huh. yeah, there would
0: probably be some you'd probably have like the Martin Lawrence character or the David Allen Grier character meeting someone on Tinder or, absolutely or something to that effect you would have
1: that um and I think, <laughs> well, let's, let's suspend like where Marcus lives and let's just play like this for real and he could afford that and everything. Um, I just don't think that people would be so, again, you're dating the city, right? So as close as he got to these women so fast, um, they would have known what was up a little bit more. I mean, I guess if, if we're aging the film, we got to also bring the gender dynamics into it. Okay. And the women would have been—they would have known what was up, and there would have been more Jacqueline's. Sure. Um. Yeah. It, yeah. I mean, I think that that's kind of
0: what would have. I think happened. the one thing about the film is that it it portrayed Jacqueline Boyer's character as a rare commodity. Like, you don't have that kind of womanizing woman or that, right. you know, that she was woman. She ahead of her time. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Whereas now, if you go to any major city, you have those women that just are all like that. They all want to date. I'm yeah. not saying like every woman or every man, all they want to do is have sex. I'm not saying that's the, 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 the point of dating, but I'm saying women are okay with dating multiple people. Yeah. Men are okay with dating yeah. multiple women. Yeah.
1: So Absolutely. I thought that was kind of interesting and, I think if you were to age that now, you'd have a lot more of that. Yeah. I think so too. And I think that uh, just looking at, um, like, because there are more of them, and because, you know, Jacqueline was in that position of executive, which I think added to what made her attractive to him, Um, she had been kind of a little more common. You know, like maybe she wouldn't have been as attractive because, like, yeah. I know a few women hitting marketing agencies, what's the, what's the big deal? All right. But at the time, it was like, oh, how are you going to be a gorgeous, beautiful executive? Yeah. Oh my God, who'd have thought it?
0: And I think that was kind of something that I felt was not portrayed as well. Yeah, uh, I could so, see it. Um, I thought that um, there was still kind of that gap, that, that gender gap that was prevalent in the work world i mean and i think women are still dealing with that now uh, is, uh, the wage gap the gender gap um, I, I i wish they would have you know touched on that a little bit more um real quick let's talk about uh eddie murphy's friends in the film We mm-hmm. had david allen greer yeah martin lawrence which, this was pre-martin yep so martin lawrence we know was had worked before reginald hudlin uh, in house party as a dj uh, david allen greer who i feel is probably one of the most underrated, underrated comedians ever absolutely um, because i i i liken david allen greer's comedy to, to steve martin's Ooh, that's a good one because he's very kind of observant of things he's very uh he's not like he doesn't he doesn't seem like the overly angry comedian no. he just kind of like he'll just say something and it's funny
1: yeah and it's, and it's he does like subtle stuff with his face and with his expressions and just pauses and everything his comedy is—it's smart too. Yeah, real smart. <laughs> you <laughs> so, got to pay attention to
0: it. As far as professions, I'm not sure if they mentioned it in the film. What or their professions? What do you think their professions would be? Oh. I, don't, I don't think they would be in the advertising world, no, or would no, 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 they? No. Because they were also at that that little launch party, right? That they had for Strong J.
1: They were there too with Marcus. That's his guest, though, right? Probably. Okay. Probably. That's why I'm. I, I, I assumed that they were his <laughs> guests, but I didn't think about it.
0: So, if you had to they were, assume what they're, I, would, I wouldn't think they were in
1: finance. No. And Martin's character was something that was just, I mean. In, in terms of that group, he was
0: definitely the alpha dog. Marcus was the alpha dog. Yeah,
1: absolutely. Um, David Allen would have been somebody who was successful. Um, and by success, I mean, I'm talking about, like, he, he made good money, yeah. and he, he had his own ally. Uh, they did have dinner at Marcus's place, though. Yeah. Um, I don't um, even remember what David place looked like. Did they show it? No.
0: They didn't show it. So. i probably say that he was, I, I would say if
1: he had to come up with a profession, he was in publishing. <laughs> publishing. Mm. I can see that. You, you don't think he's an accountant? You said that? No. Nah. You don't think that? 'Cause I can see him guy I, see. I could see Martin Lawrence's character as an county I, I was gonna put him women. as <laughs> dude, I don't want to be a like a club promoter or something. Like, oh man. Then he would definitely have a lot more women, I would think, if he was a couple more. Years. Yeah, that's true. I could also see David Allen being like a legal aid or something like know. that. <laughs> Martin Martin's just making ends meet. <laughs> I mean everybody has uh, you know, we all have our friend that cool as hell, and they're happy, and they got all their needs met, you know, but you gotta be like, hey. So let's talk about the dynamic within those, those group of guys. Um, you had
0: Martin okay. Lauren and Lawrence's character kind of playing that trope of that extra, yeah. extra militant kind of guy. Extra militant. And Always calling things out as what they are, racist. Racist. And all. Yeah. Everything
1: is racist. Which yeah, sometimes, sometimes he's right. <laughs> true. Sometimes <laughs> yeah. he's right. Yeah. <laughs> but other times he was wrong. Asparagus spears. He's like, <laughs> asparagus spears! Yeah, yeah, okay. Bye bye. Okay. Alright. That sounds good, Thank Okay you. then. That sounds good. Come
0: on! What? Why don't you just come out, man? And say it. Call us jungle bunnies, man. What? Asparagus spears? What? If we were white, it would have been asparagus tips. Racial, man.
1: Racial. Oh man. You tripping now. No, you tripping. <laughs> <laughs> but then when they go su- shopping for the soup, the man was racist. Yeah, true. So, you know? So th- that's that friend. Sometimes they're going to be right. Sometimes they're going to be wrong. You got to roll with them. Try I, to keep I, them. I thought them. one funny thing about that, cause you,
0: you had these three guys who were comedians in their own right yeah, um, playing this role. I think they played off really well with each other. They did. And one thing I liked about what scene, that scene I liked a lot, was that lunch scene. And where...
1: Um, that's the spare conspiracy, Yeah, right? that's yeah. But then you had
0: David Allen talking about, did you, did you all see that commercial on TV or whatever that... Chicks with dicks, or... <laughs> oh, <man>. He was <laughs> yeah. like, yeah, no, man. And then man. Adrian Murphy is like, how can you put that in your mental world <laughs> <role of> dicks? <laughs> <laughs> so you a freak, man.
1: <laughs> what, man? I, mean, I just <laughs> He didn't deny it. Yeah. He was just like, hey, you know, I'm mean, into some things. And that's, that's, you know, we, had, I have that friend that's like, super, seems like a straight arrow. And he's like, oh, you got chicks with dicks in here. <laughs> yeah. You got you never
0: know. You in. never know. <laughs> <laughs> you don't know it until you look it up, right? So, so in the film, you had um, Marcus's. I guess the ad agency he's working for gets acquired. Yeah.
1: So uh, I thought it was an ad agency. Okay. What in the past? turns out it it's like a, a beauty. It's just a beauty product company, and he's in the marketing department. Oh, okay. Yeah. okay. I, I I always thought yeah. that Marcus Graham was an advertising <laughs> executive, which I guess is kind of true. But essentially, he's on the client side. Okay. Um, and they're doing everything in house. Which, you know... Is it, it's not heard of anymore, right? They do everything in-house? Or? So, it, it, it's almost like a natural cycle of everybody outsources to agencies, and then 10 to 15 years later, there's a trend of bringing it in-house. And then they realize, oh, we can't do this in-house, and they push it back out. And there's just like this inhale-exhale of in-house um, and uh, agency. that just happens a lot of times in our industry. So, uh, the fact that he is in-house is possible. Um, but people do push that outside.
0: So what I thought was kind of peculiar or interesting was he, uh, he's in the marketing department at a cosmetics yep. company. You're your cosmetics? Yeah. And apparently he's made a name for himself. People <laughs> know who he is. That's true. And he's kind of like, a, like knows what women want, Mm-hmm. And so he's. I, the that, bit, right? I think that adds to his character that he is the type of guy that knows what women wants for the time being, and then he's lost that when he gets when he gets merged with,
1: uh, I guess Lady Lady Elwes. Elwes. yeah. Which is an, another character. I know. Awesome. Eartha Kid Legend. Yeah. Marcus Marcos died. dying. Mar- Mar- yeah. <laughs> Yeah, so he does kind of, he knows what women want and so he can cater to that. Which and I will say that that film, What Women Want, Mel Gibson, is a total rip-off. Of yeah, right. Right. yep, yep. Makes complete sense. So, F that guy. Yeah. Um, what was interesting, though, was uh, I never figured out what Marcus was good at. <laughs> okay, like... He had the, the weird guy, with nasty Nick, or whatever his name was, Neil, Nick, uh, the ball guy who did the J commercial, yes. which actually, in hindsight, that was a brilliant commercial. <laughs> the, the nasty one? Okay. Like, minus the skull thing, maybe. But Even, other, even like, with the cherry, the cherry,
0: the licking of the cherry? Oh,
1: that was the, the early one. Okay. Like, oh, and <laughs> the funny thing is about Marcus giving feedback on that commercial was he reminded me of myself. Okay. Which is... I don't want to toot my own horn. Um, so Lady said, Allow somebody to do that for me. <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, you look at the piece, say what's good about it, and then, like, can you take that out and that out, like, just tone it down a little bit, and they're like, oh, you know, it sucks. You're killing my vision. Then you remind them, like, no, 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 it's still good. Your vision is still good. And taking this out doesn't, make it bad so you,
0: you you're mediating between that person's vision and who ultimately sees it
1: right? uh, yes yeah. absolutely absolutely um or i guess not who sees it but the, the, client. the client the client yeah so eddie <laughs> marcus when he's you know in the midst of being played and Jacqueline got his head all messed up whatever he allows that nasty guy to do the commercial on his own without any oversight, and he didn't see it before who is essentially the client who saw it, which I have never been in that position. Like you're not gonna see something without right. me having seen it. Um, you can lose your lose your job, right? Over that, absolutely. Yeah. Now, afterwards, let's say I saw a 30 second uh, video, and I'm like, hey, you know, can you take out the person with the arrow? Over their head, oh yeah. yeah, cool. Yeah. And take out, you we got you giving birth to the perfume. Absolutely, <laughs> <laughs> take out the skull. Yeah, like oh okay, we'll take out the skull. I might not see it again after I gave that direction, but I've seen it. Okay. So for him to go, you know, to give this, you know, nasty guy or whatever, hard blunt to do what he wants, like Ew, yeah, that could have got you fired, right? Yeah, so that was that was dumb. So. Uh, in
0: regards to the, in advertising and what you do, um, you you pretty much play that role that Marcus was playing. He plays the, the account manager role, right? You manage the account,
1: right? I'm, I'm a creative director. Right? Okay. So, <clears throat> I manage. But, where, I guess, where Marcus was more of the account manager role. So, that's why it's hard to tell, right? And that's why I said I couldn't quite tell what Marcus does, because it does marketing. But, if I'm, like, the agency was in-house, so, like, maybe he's, like, kind of a brand manager role, okay. which that person would still need to see something before they... Uh, so, here's here's my support. nitpick about that. It's because um, at that
0: point when Marcus got in trouble, he was reporting to Jackman. He was. So...
1: She didn't see it either.
0: Yeah. I mean, <laughs> if anything, it should have been her ass, yep. not his.
1: It, it very well would have been absolutely
0: and it almost seemed like like here's my thing about her is I think she still threw him under the bus without him knowing it like I had to have yeah
1: had to of, have kind of, yeah. and you kind of got the energy too the board wanted to fire you yeah but I convinced them to like you're lying like yeah. come on now if, if the board wanted to fire somebody like you were the one they were in there talking to so I'm sure you call something, right and then you want to come in here and act like you saved my job like no you saved yours and now I'm going home for three weeks which I want that punishment. <laughs> yeah, I think I did too. I will take it without pay. I mean, just send me home for three weeks. So let's talk really quick about
0: one of them. This is why I love the movie. Is one of the most rewatchable scenes that I'll probably just sit down and watch every time. Is the dinner. <laughs> you so this, didn't marry me for my cooking. <laughs> <laughs> so you have John Williams, from, rest in peace. Yeah. Uh, playing David Allen, your dad, and he's there with. Uh, I forget the wife's name. Do you, do you remember it? I don't all? either. So he's there, and um, if you didn't re- recognize this, that was, they were played the same uh, husband wife thing yeah, with,
1: house as party. House
0: Party. Yeah. Her name's B.B. Drake okay. so still I don't know. Probably.
1: Okay.
0: Cool. Right. I hope so. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but what I thought was interesting was. David Alan Greer played this really shy, I'm always getting embarrassed by my folks, Yeah. and I thought that was kind of interesting, he plays that to a T. Yeah. And they bring chitlins. They bring chitlins. My <laughs> okay. <a> fucking chitlins. What <laughs> is a chitlins? Oh,
1: Gerard's mother Angela, Gerard's mother brought us a whole trough of chitlins. Oh. Oh, <laughs> chitlins. Yo, I want to Walk. Let's walk through that scene, so, because I think that was really interesting. Halle Berry, her character, Angela, said that, you know, he's so straight-laced, his parents have to be straight-laced, too. And Marcus is kind of <laughs> like, <laughs> he just looked. He's <laughs> like, give this look, like, we'll find out. Yep, yeah. Now? Yeah, that's, uh, and then all of a sudden, boom, they hit the scene, and comic relief all exactly. over the place. And I,
0: I think, I wish I would have saw more John Whistler than Eddie Murphy vehicles Oh, yeah. because the way they kind of interacted at that point was I thought was hilarious yeah like you had the whole Eddie Murphy yelling toward, to Gerard in the kitchen did do you, you tell it, your pops got on? A- <laughs> <laughs> do you know he got mushroom on the inside of his jacket <laughs> All right. I talk to Mr. J- Mr.
1: Jackson right. hey, come here man right. nah, it's so good to see you, Listen, so, you every boy. year you do something new now where'd you get the mushroom shirt I'm trying to impress you, you know that. I know it. Now, where'd you get the mushroom shirt? I got to know. Well, the secret is you got to coordinate. Uh huh. Most people don't coordinate. See, you got oh, to coordinate. Yes, that's what you did. Yeah. yeah. Well, when you saw me, you saw the mushroom I shirt. Said, <laughs> mushroom shirt. Bang, mushroom, mushroom, mushroom shirt. Mushroom shirt. But see, you can't stop with the mushroom shirt. You now, gotta I go on. I'd have stopped that shit. No, shirt. you gotta keep going. Okay. Now, now, let me show you something. Look at that. Oh, you got a mushroom belt. Gerard, did you know your pops had a mushroom belt on? Yes. But you don't stop there, see. No, you gotta you keep can't. going. What
0: you got, a mushroom ring? Yeah, that's a
1: good idea. Look
0: what I got. Da, <laughs> Gerard. Did you know on the inside
1: was special mushroom?
0: Yes. He said what? What you got, a mushroom ring? Oh, that, that, that's, that, that's 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 good. That's a good point. <laughs> <laughs> you got <have> to coordinate. <laughs> don't stop there. Don't stop. Is that is that where that? Uh, that gave birth to or was that was that part of his act? you know? you know if that coordination was part of John... I think it may have been part of his comedy act. It may have been.
1: I don't know. I didn't know his stand-up very much. Yeah. Um, he didn't say it in House Party, did he? I don't no. think so. I that do, was that's the first time I heard him say it and I, thought, I
0: felt like he, he kept it. I do remember in uh, House Party it was like... How you doing there, baby? And he's talking like, hey, and then his wife's like, what? Oh, don't worry. <laughs> don't worry. <laughs> don't worry, honey. Uh, but I, I will say... Public enema, public enema. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> public enema. Public enema. <laughs> but that scene in itself was, was pure genius. And I think John Williams just carried the whole scene throughout. Yeah, and I thought one of the funniest thing was we talked about jokes before and how they developed the whole joke throughout the whole scene in the on Nights episode. We talk about all that, but in the end of this little dinner... You know, David Allenberg has his arms crossed. He's kind of embarrassed by his parents, and he says, "He's that. You know, my parents have been in that bathroom for damn near an hour." And he's like, "What? What? What's wrong with that? What are we talking about?" And he says, like, "They're in there hitting it." And then you know, Marcus is like, "Your parents are inside smoking a joint." He's like, "No, they're in they're in there fucking." And then the way they just come out, the mom's coming out chewing gum, nonchalant. Hair messed up. Hair messed up. John Weathersman's character comes out putting on his jacket backwards. <laughs>
1: yeah. <laughs> it was pure, pure gold. Pure genius. It's so funny. In the bathroom going at it. And, I mean, it was just perfect for their characters. Because in America, for her cooking, the food wasn't that good, you know. Or No, Marcus, Marcus cooked the food, so he yeah. said it was good. And he was saying how, how bad she was at cooking. Yeah. But, hey. They got this one thing in common, that's how they got it. That, oh, that's what he said, that's yeah. how they got you. Yeah. Yeah. He's like, I, you know, I
0: think I think we may, we may have eaten everything from the rooter to the tutor. Yeah, On the, <laughs> the to the tutor. And then Marcus like, the whole pig. <laughs>
1: <laughs> just egging him yeah. off because he was entertained. Yeah. yeah,
0: and I think that was kind of one of the things. That he, I think that's kind of why he wanted to host it at his house, because he knows how just fun his yeah. parents were. And one of the things I want to talk about now is because one of the things I was looking at when I was researching was this was kind of it brought Eddie into the forefront of the true romantic comedy type stuff. And one of the things I didn't like about this was that back when this aired or when this uh, film is, they 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 put this into a corner as being like an all-time one of the best all-time black films. Mm-hmm when I think it should have been yes. one of the best all-time romantic comedies in general. Yeah. And I think that may have been something that where a lot of, you, I guess you say, black films, black actors, actresses, they always get put into that niche of black cinema, which I didn't like a lot.
1: Yeah, and, and that's at the time that it was like when black people were starting to be able to command so much money at the box office and they were still being automatically lumped into this black movie genre. And, again, that didn't really stop until the late 90s, I think, early 2000s. Right. Um, And I think there's still a bit right now of uh, a lack of respect for what is considered, uh, I would say, black art. I mean, I'm not trying to say that Tyler Perry deserves an Oscar, you know, (laughs) but in the same way that sometimes our musical artists get automatically lumped into urban hip-hop you know this movie that black people in oftentimes automatically becomes a black film right Um, which that's not a genre like and sometimes it is in the movie section and and to be honest on netflix it makes me makes it easy for me to find some stuff but at the same time like to me that's not a genre and as long as it's treated as such i think that it contributes to for lack of a better term, white supremacist culture. Hmm. Um, you know, the, the, the way that you, and I think that overall, like, equality and equity comes from being able to, uh, to, to grade everything equally and fairly in this way, and, and respect it in ways that it's different. Like, yeah, that, that joke's not funny to you because you don't understand it. Right. but if you get more representation in the room and whatnot, you start to see, yeah, this is a comedy and not only is it a comedy, but it's funny so you don't have to just say, you know, you don't have to put Harlem Nights with the color purple because right. they're black movies like, yeah, but they tell stories uh, that, are, that resonate beyond, beyond blackness and uh, if you have representation in the room as you analyze that movie you can start to understand some of the nuance that, you know, if you don't get it you're going to hold it back one of the things that was pretty interesting was kind of
0: looking at, so films, films in the 90s at that time, uh, when it came to African American roles, you either were the very smart professional or you were the hip kind of funny guy. And the, one of the things I'm referring to is there's this, there this film I saw called Strictly Business with Tommy Davidson yep. where, was too? Yeah, yeah, yeah was that yeah yeah was that and Tommy Davidson played more of the hip guy yeah but wasn't attractive or good looking but then you had the other guy the Wayman Tisdale kind of yeah. character where he was the kind of the square ultra conservative professional smart I thought what was interesting about this film was Annie Murphy's role Marcus Graham was both <sighs> he was hip he, was, he knew yeah. how to dress, uh, charming, professional, believe, uh, respectable, um, smart. So funny, you, you had that.
1: I think yeah. <laughs> you had one of those
0: characters where it
1: it resonates to
0: all types of people.
1: Yeah, and you, you mentioned the way he was well dressed. Let me also throw out like the whole agency; they dress too well. Like, yeah. No, I mean, okay, maybe in house, maybe they do dress like that. Advertising agency, we. Not even. Close. Very casual. Absolutely. I go to work in jeans and a hoodie if I want to. Very
0: casual, unless a client's coming to visit.
1: Unless a client's coming to visit, at which point, you know, the running joke is, are you interviewing? Because they just assume, yeah, yeah. Uh, you know, I'm wearing wingtips and jeans sure. or maybe some slacks or something.
0: But it may be different when looking at it from, if you're, I mean, let's think about this. They're working at a cosmetics right. conglomerate. So, so it could be
1: a little bit different. Fair. Because
0: we think about it now, Mm -hmm. I don't know why I thought of this, but I'm thinking about that film, uh, Devil Wears Proud, right? Uh Wait, if you're working in a fashion Fashion. magazine, magazine, you have to be on point. So I would think from a cosmetics point of view, you have to be on point as well. You're part of that fashion (laughs)
1: world as well. Yeah, that makes sense. And to get back to your your point about Eddie being both. I guess that was part of the like leading man thing, right? Like, right. I should be able to be all things. Like, so this, well, this gentleman you. has, well, no, Strictly Business, sorry. Strictly Business has two, like, so I guess that, that you know that kind of makes sense. Sure, It's essentially a buddy. Well,
0: when buddy. you think about it, Marcus Graham's friends, Gerard and Troy, Chor- or it's Troy? Or that sounds th- familiar. Yeah, I think it's uh, Tyler. Oh, uh, Gerard and Tyler, they're kind of the like extreme of that, right? Where Ty was more like that comedic guy, you know, loud,
1: and Gerard's like, it's <laughs> calls out racism, but also like he struggles with women yeah. because he's too too, too nice. aggressive. No, no, no. Um, Martin's character. Okay. He, he, he struggles with women because he's too aggressive right. and not respectful. Gerard struggles because he's a little too passive and, you know, awkward. Uh, and so and maybe right. that's why they both gravitate towards him. Towards yeah, Marcus. Yeah, they kinda of look friends. up to it. Which is actually weird because I think Marcus I mean any Marcus in the world I think needs a friend who looks down on him. too. Mm. Um, like yeah, yeah, you can't you can't just have two friends that You can't have three Marcuses chilling together, right? No, you need to have at least two Marcuses chilling together, otherwise Marcus is going He was I, Marcus is gonna become Marcus, I guess. Like he's gonna become arrogant and he essentially is the type of person that, I don't want to look down on his friends, but they look up to him too much. And if your friends look up to you that much, then where is your humility? from? So, in the
0: character, Marcus is highly critical of women, right? He finds... He's looking for perfection. That's what he said. <laughs> and he finds any small thing that's wrong with these women. Yeah. So, the one woman, uh, there's Layla Rashawn's character, where he messes around with her. And
1: one thing I didn't like about that
0: character is that she came out really ditzy.
1: Super ditzy. That was her character.
0: And has some jacked up feet. <sighs> Hammer time. Hammer time in her shoes. Hammer time in her shoes. And one thing I thought was funny was Martin's Mario's character like,
1: Come on, man. You don't fuck her feet. Damn. <laughs> Which was valid. valid. Oh. True. True. Which was valid. But then he undermined the whole thing when he said, Come on, man. You don't fuck her brains. <laughs> That's right. That's right. <laughs> And that was, like, his thing is he would, okay, so, yeah, asparagus tips and asparagus spears. That's racist. <laughs> like, he no, was not. But homeboy saying the jacket can't be returned and they ain't got layaway, that was racist, man. So he, he was just constantly being right and wrong, but he saw the world this way, and, and that's, that's it. Yeah. And I thought it was, it
0: was another thing that was interesting, too, in looking at the, that dynamic between his three guys, and I think I've witnessed this, too, or I'm sure you have as well, when they're at that Coke shop. And he's and mine's like, Man, look at this. Yo, step off, Marcus, this is mine. You know? Like, <laughs> like you, you have that camaraderie between the guys. Yeah. And I thought that was kind of interesting to see that because it actually gave me a little bit of a glimpse of that that brother atmosphere, uh camaraderie that you see with other kind of vehicles like um, entourage and all that kind of yeah. stuff. But I thought that was interesting to see that kind of interaction
1: as well. It was. And I probably put a little too much on the fact that they uh, look up to him because I mean, Gerard would kind of rip him, real Marcus about yeah. the way he was with women. Um, so I guess there was some of that, but I wish there was
0: just somebody else. Could, could But the one thing I liked about it, which I, which I think why I'm, I appreciate it a lot more now, being in my upper thirties, almost forty, it was a very mature relationship between these, these guys. Yeah. Um, it wasn't like, you know, you didn't have guys talking about, oh, man, this is how I had sex with
1: this girl right here and all this. It was very mature. It's not a real issue. I mean, yeah. I mean most of it was dating, obviously, but yeah. they, you know, they, they kept it real with each other, which a lot of, you know, male friends don't and can't do. It's just like, yo, fuck this bitch. Yeah. Like, and then that's it. <laughs> they got nothing to talk about. Now,
0: I don't but know if, really... this, if this is relatable now in this age, but... Let's say those three characters were, they're probably what, in their mid 30s? Maybe. Yeah.
1: The, early to mid 30s. Early to mid 30s. Yeah. I mean, his success, though, would have indicated. 40, 50s. Yes, yeah. absolutely. Let's um, pretend, right? Do you have, are singles at that age in New York? I would think they'd be younger. Yes, everybody's singles. Okay. Like, I don't. <laughs> really? Uh, yeah. yeah, because they are dating city. Mean, everybody. I, mean, I, I know a few people who um, are in relationships. Marriage is not yeah. common. Um, so I guess I would say if you're out in New York, you're, everybody there is
0: probably single, probably. right? Absolutely. Because if yeah. you're married, you don't live in New York. No, you, you moved. You probably moved to Jersey. Yeah. You live in Connecticut somewhere. You, to yeah. get, you've taken a train right. to leave
1: and go home. Absolutely. Okay. Um, that's one. Or y'all have literally left the northeast or something like yeah we met in new york and now we live in chicago or yeah atlanta. okay yeah now chicago <laughs> that's the place for a relationship oh <laughs> chicago is the place for a relationship because once that winter hits you're staying home you're staying home you don't want to i don't want to have guesses about where i'm eating or who i'm going to see or anything like that it's like is atlanta a place for a relationship yes atlanta is too you can go ahead and buy a house in the burbs settle down dallas is that way too right? yeah 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 so. so, now
0: let's let's talk a little bit about um, just the dynamic between when Annie Murphy's character Marcus Brand meets Jacqueline Royer. Uh he's met someone that's kind of basically a female version of him, mm-hmm. and he sprung. he's sprung, they yeah. had that trip to New Orleans, they had sex, yep. and now he's sprung and he's calling her baby at work,
1: yeah. which I thought was kind of was, weird. It, 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 Struck me. Yeah. Hey, babe. Whoa. Yeah. At work? Yeah. And you tried it? <laughs> yeah. Um, that was interesting. I thought that it was also interesting how, again, having watched that movie a long time ago and revisiting some of the stuff to see just how, I, mean, I don't know if subtle is the right word, I'm like, oh my goodness, that is what men do. And I didn't quite know it then. Like, yeah, it's boomerang. Like, she's playing him, but the subtlety of some of the stuff that she was doing and saying, um, like, oh, you're not getting soft on me, are you? Yeah, yeah. And I think
0: that's that's interesting because I've been in situ- I've been I've been in situations in my past where you know I've had someone tell me you're not getting feelings for me now, are you? And usually. <laughs> The mature Ralph now asking me a leading question. Are you the mature Ralph now? Would have been like, all right, that's my cue. I got to get out of this. But before you, you're so infatuated or obsessed with what's going on, and and you're in that moment, you're like, no, no, I'm good, I'm good. (laughs) You know, now thinking back on it now, that could have been his cue. Like, this is not going to work,
1: right? You know, yeah, he had a couple of cues. You know, when they were in the restaurant and found out that she'd been just bragging about their sex, which... <laughs> which is another rewatchable scene I know. with Grace Jones. <laughs> no one can miss it. <laughs> She's
0: a legend. <laughs> um, but, when Annie Murphy's like, stop saying pussy, people are eating. <laughs>
1: <laughs> puss, puss, puss. <laughs> so, the funny thing about that, though, like, uh, I, I don't think the only way... Let me, okay. The only way that a man really has a problem with that is if he is in love. So But see I don't think he knew what love was. You don't y'all know what it was, what it is to be in it. Oh wow. So the fact that he was so bothered by that, like, you just be like, she telling people I got good it. You're like, yeah. I'm good. <laughs> Come on, I'm done with Jackie, cause <laughs> she putting the word out, like I don't have to do any more work. Like, this is literally why some men, like, don't mind their, 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 their dick pics getting out. Because if it's impressive, they're like, go ahead, share it. So, so she would have been, like, if he were not sprung or in love, however you want to put it, he would not have cared True. that she was spreading the gospel of the deed. <laughs> okay. That's just how I feel. I mean, I, I could be wrong. You can, I'll, I'll, I'll I'm listening to counterpoints, but the fact that she is saying like, yo, he's good. If he did not love this woman, he'd have been like, thank you. Can you, can I get that in paper? Can I get that in writing? And I'm going to like put this on my resume now, hanging on my door. This is all I need because she is fine. She is successful. She got money and she out here telling people what I can do. And she's got that. And she's got pretty feet. And she got pretty feet. Yes. Endorsement. Like there was Michael Jordan with Jordan Brand and Nike, and then there was Jacqueline with Marcus Graham D. Like those are the two biggest endorsements <laughs> of all time. And the fact that he did that, that, that he had a problem with it, that meant was involved. So now I guess one thing I didn't like about it. Or lust, and we can get into that. Ooh.
0: One oh, thing I might be challenging myself. One thing I didn't like about it is he was perfectly fine with being in control of the situation yeah. with all the women. But then once he was in control, he hated it. Yeah. He didn't care who it was. You mentioned Jacqueline and being extremely attractive, but the fact that she was saying things about him behind his back, he didn't like that. I thought that was... I didn't like that as, far as for the character, because I thought he'd
1: be a lot smarter than that. Yeah. Like, just <laughs> like you mentioned. Take the endorsement and go yeah so it makes you wonder like was he just i think uh, maybe everybody's been through this um, when you're young and immature it's kind of just like wait wait wait. why don't you like me it's that thing as opposed to i really really Ego. Like you. so maybe it's that maybe it was ego so maybe i was all that was wrong oh well so one of the one of the other few things i liked a lot about this was
0: i thought the development of the characters was extremely fast and i like that because you had that one scene where after the dinner, Halle Berry and Eddie Murphy are discussing you know, Star Trek, right? Yeah. And how they're both Trekkies or whatever. And I thought that was endearing because it had a side to Eddie Murphy that he would normally would not show with. Correct. Yeah. But then when she brought it up and had some juice on that that knowledge,
1: yeah, he found something else just besides sex that he was able to relate to. Yeah. I mean, they were... I mean, they had chemistry from the beginning, even though it was just, like, <clears throat> friendly kind of thing. But, you know, we all know that that can translate to more if you get if in the right or wrong situation, depending on how you want to look at it. So now I have
0: a scenario that you can negate me on. <laughs> I think he set her up with Gerard because he knew it wouldn't work out.
1: Ooh. I don't think he... At the moment that he did it, I don't think that he felt like it was. But like he was just trying to get rid of her. I it's fresh for me. <laughs> so I
0: think he he knew it wasn't going to work out, but he can have her oh. chill there for a bit <laughs> on ice. He wasn't gonna. He wasn't gonna. Uh,
1: it was you like know, putting her in cube.
0: Yeah, he wasn't gonna recommend her for the other guy, for Martin Lawrence character, because he didn't want that kind of. He didn't want that kind of. Uh, the way he acted to be associated with
1: him. So you can just stash her. (laughs) Exactly. That's funny, I mean. Maybe, I can see it. I mean, there are people you can introduce to other people and you're almost like, no, that ain't going to go nowhere. So as long as I do that, it'll be fine. Um, I thought it was funny when, I mean, I... Now we obviously know it was foreshadowing. But <laughs> Gerard's mom said, "Oh, she looked like one of Marcus' girls." Yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, that's awkward. <laughs> yeah. And then I
0: thought, what was actually kind of funny was you—you you know that that conversation he was going to have with Gerard was coming after they had sex. You know, it had to come. It Has to come. So when they when they had when they finally showed them having sex, I thought what was really good from a cinematography point of view is. You knew they were gonna have sex when they yeah. started kissing. Him, that happened. The leg comes up, brushes up against them, and they're having sex. But when they're playing pool, you knew he wanted to have that conversation. Yeah, and I and I didn't know from as someone from as the audience watching it how it was gonna be brought up, but it had to happen. Yeah. And when Eddie Murphy's character is like, "So how are things going with you and <laughs> you know what, whatever Angela?" and yeah. he's all, like, oh, "You know things are cool, but you know." And then he had the extra question. Oh, so you don't care if, you know. If you <laughs> know. Leading him. Yeah.
1: So, so, what? Before. Um, the, so, they didn't have to have the conversation. But if they didn't, you know their friendship wasn't real. And based on everything that they had set up in terms of the way that they communicate and interact with each other. And all the stuff we just talked about how open they were in challenging each other and, and, and whatnot. If he didn't have the conversation, you would have thought their whole friendship was fake. Really? But it made Marcus fake. So you, you kind of had to in order to I mean, save the movie, make the movie, save the relationships. I think it
0: saved the movie.
1: Yeah, because really if he doesn't it. talk to about it, and they just keep going.
0: Because I, I honestly think that the movie is about, it's much more about a womanizer. It's about a set of friends that are, no matter what, going to be together. Matter
1: what, that's fair. Yeah, because that conversation is what made that happen.
0: If anything, the women play more of an ancillary role. I think, yeah,
1: Yeah, because I mean, their their friendship. Because again, if they don't have that conversation, if he just like he could have ditched them and just took his girl, you know, that kind of thing. Which you know, there are people who do that. We hear friendships end over stuff like that all the time. Uh, But the fact that Ah. he didn't let that happen. There was a there was a lot lot
0: of. Tense moments, that conversation being one. Another conversation is you clearly see that Angela's moved into his loft. Yeah. And then Jacqueline calls him. And then, honestly, uh, he has this Ooh, moment. So tense. That he has this moment where he just is contemplating what to say. And he says, Oh, yeah, that was uh, Angela. She she stopped
1: by. Yeah. That, um, that's a problem. Exactly. That's a problem. And everybody knows that's a problem. Except him. He knows it's a problem. He knows it's a problem. But this is what niggas do. What we do is, in that moment, he made a decision about which problem he wanted to have and have to solve. So, you'll kind of like hedge your bets a little bit. Like, if I have, I can either have a big problem with Jacqueline and no problem at all with Angela. That means, like, Jacqueline's not an option anymore. He didn't want to do that. Or I can have no problem with Jacqueline, and maybe what I think is a little problem with Angela, and I can fix that. Depending on how big it is. Then you find out, like, oh, it's bigger than that, so at some point, you're going to have to make a choice. But you will hedge your bets and pick your problem. I think that's more of a male problem, in General. I think men just make decisions with the little head. (laughs) Fair. He, he he picked which problem they wanted. Yeah. Like, okay. Okay. In that moment, like you look and you're like, I got a quick decision to make. She stop by. Okay. She's gonna be offended at that, but but I can fix that. I do like that one scene where
0: she's coming back from some type of work trip. They had a date plan. Um, it's raining. Um, um, they missed some kind of show or whatever, mm-hmm. <laughs> and he's he's complaining about spending 200 dollars tickets and
1: it's all wasted um, they end up having basically like she came over that's why you came over your jaws. yeah he was yeah. wrong
0: <laughs> <laughs> she shows up in lingerie and a big jacket and she does what I would say what most men would have done because they they fixed
1: the problem with sex yeah with sex and, and money, which and, made it yes, worse. Yes, Which made it worse. <laughs> and now I feel like a prostitute. Exactly. He, and, see, and he, he, see,
0: he sees the money on the nightstand, and, and he, he clutches his little, yep. his he cover. Feels used. He feels More, used. Yeah. And for once in his life, he feels exactly how these other women feel.
1: Yeah. And that's, I mean, in that way, it's a common age story, too, right? Like, I mean, we, we get to see who Marcus was when he started out. We get to see him get broken. We get to see... Him start to fix his life, but they don't like make it a straight black and white change. Like now, is with Ampel, is no going back, and he's perfect. Like, no, he still has some issues, and he had to
0: come around. And he finally makes that decision because he's there with a, you know, let's fast forward to another scene. He's there with a half naked Jacqueline, mm-hmm. and Didn't feel he, right. he's not feeling it. Nope, not feeling it anymore. And she basically gives him this ultimatum saying, well, you're here with me, so let's do it. But she's like, he's like, no, I can't. That's it. It's over. He feels he's in love. And actually, he knows he's in love. And at that time, he decides to leave. And it's really hard for most
1: men to leave a half-minute get Robin Givens there on a bed. The vast majority would not. Yeah. Yeah. The vast majority would not. They would get some and then go. Yes. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, let's be honest. Yeah. They would get some and then go. And then, like, say, yeah, we shouldn't have done that. Like, yeah, you you do that before forty. Yeah.
0: Real quick, I want to talk about the scene. It's not in regards to the relationship between the woman and Marcus, but you have uh, Marcus and his neighbor, say by Tisha, Tisha Campbell. <laughs> yeah. And they they briefly state that they they had a thing they had a thing once. It was whack. It didn't work. Whatever. Yeah. But I think it was funny because you had that one scene where she's like, you know, I should feel sorry. I should feel happy that you're feeling like crap, but I don't. You know you want to come over and have some tea and he he says not
1: even if Jesus is pouring it <laughs> <laughs> yeah she uh, she was funny um, just, uh, the yelling that she did from the the fence yeah which was funny because like I know they can hear her I mean, yeah. because we can hear her and it, it wasn't until that time
0: when Martin Lawrence was there that he actually chose Tisha Campbell to be Gino formal. Oh that makes yeah, sense. Yeah, because they were developing Martin at that time. At that time. Yeah. Oh there you
1: have it. That's where Gina came from. Yep. I um, if she brought on Pam from Photoshop yeah. Aurora. Yeah, yeah. That's funny. So one of the last
0: things I want to talk about is just the camaraderie between these three men. And you have these scenes, um, and I mentioned you, it's New York as an extra cast member there's that one scene at the very end when Gerard and Marcus make up and then they all hug all three of them and the lights of the Empire State Building come out on yeah. um, one it's very nostalgic to New York um, I thought that was a perfect way to kind of put a button on that friendship Yeah. Um, one thing I, I did learn when I was researching was it would have costed the budget would have been like 50000 just to randomly turn on those lights. But they decided not to use the budget for that and found out when it actually turns off. They say that at that time it turned off anywhere between 1 to 2 a.m. Uh-huh. So what happened was the crew found out when they were turning it off, had these three actors hugging, and then they just reversed, reversed it. it. Right, oh, That's dope. Yeah. I didn't know that. Which was interesting because... Now it makes sense because if they know when it was turning off at that time in the nineties, you have that one scene too where Jacqueline breaks up with Marcus,
1: uh-huh.
0: and when they and say okay, on. they say well that's it, it's over. At the very on the, on the on the on the backdrop, you can see it turning off. Oh, is that what it is? Right. Because I, I remember they showed it. I couldn't remember if it turned off. So when they break up, it turns off, and when that camaraderie oh, gets sealed as a friendship, it turns back on. Hmm. So, a few things to know about that is they are filming these scenes fucking early, late, early in the morning, yeah, 1 or yeah. 2 in the morning, but I thought that was kind of interesting that it went into that's one cool, cool way to
1: save $50,000, Yeah, twice, so I thought that, that was kind of interesting. It's also cheaper to film at night, as far as like shutting down okay. locations and streets and stuff like that. Um, Did so you see a lot of that when you were living out there? Uh, film, you do. Film crews and stuff yeah, like that? Yeah, you do. I see a lot of it. Does that mess up your commute sometimes? Not really. Okay. Um. Mainly because a lot of it is above ground. I never saw... I mean, people shoot on the subway sometimes, but mm-hmm. I never had the subway shut down. For I would think people. they do it really early in the morning, right? I think, I think that, somebody, that some of these people build uh, replica subway cars and everything. Okay. this it seems like it would be too much. Like, you can get some B-roll down there. B-roll is, you know, just random footage sure. of the subway train so that you can... You know, I'm going to set up a camera down here and just get footage of New Yorkers and the train going by. Sure. Um, but then, so B-roll then being we like cut it was- to inside the car and we were able to make the connection by ourselves. Right? So B-rolls like the shots of the city that after when the basketball game comes out comes back out of commercial. Like yeah. Saying, okay. Yeah. Yeah. That's B-roll. So you can get that stuff at any time. But as far as shutting down the subway, I I've never priced it, but it's got to be crazy. Speaking of subways, uh, are you? Uh, Do you
0: follow that Subway Creatures on Instagram? I don't know. So there's this uh, handle on Instagram. It's called Subway Creatures. And it's all about random clips of people in subways in New York. (laughs) Because if you probably know of all people that live in New York, there are some random ass people that you see in New York. Absolutely. And one of the things uh, interesting that I saw was, I think it was about a couple months ago, you have someone with a huge pet rat just chilling in his jacket. And I'm sure you see
1: a lot of that stuff. I never saw a pet rat, but just some of the stuff that you see as far as people wearing. I mean, you get people who just talk out loud. I mean, you want to say that they, they have some kind of mental illness or something. or Maybe time, they're just doing it for the ground. Other times you feel like they're just being extra. Like, it's weird. Sometimes you can tell the difference, but... Yeah, you run into some some character on the subway. I'm more of a Humans of New York kind of person. I I, I enjoy that so much, Um, but that subway man is something else. I loved it, by the way. I don't know, you know. So I think that that's one of the indicators of whether or not they they never even wrote the subway, did they? Like, no. That's the that's the kind of money Marcus had. So that makes no sense for that position. (laughs) (laughs) At least they didn't show it. Yeah, no, they they, they never. They showed it in coming to America
0: at the end. Yeah, they
1: did. But the subway is. It's something special. It's part of what makes New York so so different. Uh, part of why you're, uh, one of my friends knew that once I sold my car, he was like, "Oh, you're you're gonna stay." Uh, yeah. Okay. Um, and it, it's cool. Like one of the ways that you can tell so whether wait, or not somebody's gonna love New York. So right? real quick, before you get to that, you had your car in New York. I did. I had my car in New York for about a year. How much did that cost? So I never transferred the insurance or anything. Okay. Um, so. But even the park i would <laughs> so where i worked i worked in connecticut when i first moved to new york okay and that was another reason why i lived in the so I, I worked in connecticut but I also um could commute to the company's office in new york via train so i lived right between two subway lines and a 35 minute drive from connecticut i could leave my car overnight in connecticut okay so sometimes i would do that on the weekend and i would just be like i'm, I'm without my car so i don't have to worry about parking or anything okay. like that um through the week i mean if i drove my car to if i drove my car home i could leave it on the street overnight and then in the morning go down there and it's there you, know, you just got to worry about street cleaning and whether or not you're there at a certain time but that usually happened after like 9 a.m or something because so. you would think parking in you New know, York has got to be crazy it is so you either pay for a parking lot which is rent you know, it can run anywhere from it's in the Bronx. equivalent to rent here in Texas, probably. Right? i was gonna say, yeah, you can, you can get a parking space for like three, four, five, six, seven, depending on you know where exactly in the city you live, um, and that's a reserved spot. Sometimes it's in the garage, sometimes it's not. Um, so you can pay for that, or you can park on the street, and they clean the street twice a week. And while they're cleaning the street, um, you have to move your car from that side of the street
0: how do you no, know it's, it's a like, ticket
1: they have signs posted okay. so it'll say no parking street cleaning and basically you get a ticket to tuesday thursday yeah tuesday thursday from 9 a.m to 11 a.m right if you're if you're right there you're going to get a ticket there's also a whole business or economy around people who you can pay to come and move your car at that time they will come move your car to the other side of the street move several, many cars, because they What do they do it with it. the keys? They have them. You okay. give them a key. Uh oh, So you make they, a copy of the key, okay. basically. Yeah. Okay. So they move the car and your car is on the other side of the street. You're not even home, right? Okay. So their car, your car is on the other side of the street for two hours, and they come back, you know, if it's they 9 a.m., it they come move it at 8.50, and then at 11.01, they come move it back. And that's awesome. That is a hustle. That is awesome. So
0: what happens to, let's
1: say, someone's End up being a New York podcast.
0: <laughs> <laughs> so what? What happens if someone's
1: moving your car back to the other side, but someone beats you to that that section? They'll find somewhere. Okay. They'll find somewhere. Like that's that's what they get paid to do. If I get a ticket, then you owe me money. Right. Like oh, okay. This this is your job is to keep me from getting a ticket. So so here's the thing. It's also so on the other side of the street, they're not. The city is aware of this. Let's put it that way. Okay. It's, it's not official. But here's how they know, because two cars can be parked on the same side of the street next to each other, not like this, but like this. Oh, double park. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So while the street cleaner is coming through, they don't care about that. Like there, there are two rows of cars on one side of the street, but they're not even looking for that. Like that's not their job. That's not what they're trying to ticket for. So they come through, the street sweeper. And I guess a cop could come give that double row tickets, but they never did. I never saw it.
0: And are these the the major streets, uh, or just the armory mostly harder? side streets? Okay. Major so,
1: streets so, do have street okay. cleaning days, but there's fewer major residential street. on the the main. And street. there's fewer apartment spots. I right? mean, I shouldn't say there's fewer, but. Yeah. Uh, most people end up parking on the side streets anyway. It's crazy that we're talking about parking on a boomerang. I know.
0: <laughs> but you were, you were mentioning about New York. So back to yeah, what you were saying um, about New York. No, i was just
1: saying that, they, that they're not on the subway. And, and one of the ways that you can tell that people... Um, one way you can tell that people have money is that they don't take the subway. Um, the other thing is... And were they're just Ubering the whole time? Well, now, yeah. But at the time, it's just like taxis. Okay, If you can taxi everywhere, like you are balling. And sex—we never—we didn't mention Sex in the City. Okay, Sex in the City—they take cabs everywhere. That's baller. And they wear heels. So that's another thing: is if you see a woman in heels in New York um, getting out of a taxi, a lot of times you can either—I mean, especially if it's like midday or something like that—she got money. Okay, like just point blank period because. Women who are working nine to five, they have sneakers the or their flats okay. or something that they have with them. And if they're going downstairs and they're going to be doing some walking or they're okay. taking the subway, they will usually switch out. Of it. Okay. Um, if a woman is in heels on the subway. So their heels are in them. their purse, yeah. basically. Okay. Yeah. If a woman's in heels on the subway, it's like, are a little weird. <laughs> okay. okay. Uh, especially in the winter. So, uh, yeah, sex in the city, women have money. And that's a, a way that you can tell whether or not somebody's whether or not someone is gonna like it in New York or make it in New York for a long time, is how do they feel about the southern Air. Are
0: Are folks that work in New York and having dinner, I mean, lunch, work lunch at an actual restaurant ball?
1: Yeah, no, 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 sorry, no, 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 they're not. Um, work lunch is a, is a thing. Okay. Um, it's, it's a little pricey, but you kind of feel like, New York jobs also pay well. Um, so lunch is, lunch is a thing. Well, most folks don't have car insurance, car payments. Nope. So. Yeah. I mean, that's the whole other, what, $800 sometimes. Yeah. yeah that you're but usually money. that goes to rent. Usually it goes to rent. Unless you like me and you live in the Bronx. True. Because True. you're a black male and you're the one that people are afraid of. Mm. <laughs> that's a whole other podcast right there. It's <laughs> a, a Terry Gross podcast right there about
0: racism. The exactly. Uh, so... You mentioned you you live outside of Manhattan borough and everything, but um, are there certain types of uh, cultures that are specific to certain boroughs? Like, if you tell tell someone, "I live in the Bronx," like, "Oh, okay,
1: Dominicans." Okay, Um, they said you always get misconstrued as Dominicans sometimes. Sometimes I did. Sometimes I did, especially. Because I can understand a little Spanish sometimes, or even like respond to something a little Spanish, Um, I did like get a little. Dominican? Oh, yeah. No, no, no. no. Um, So, yeah, it's a lot of Dominicans, uh, and that is also true for uptown, like Washington Heights and stuff like that. Very cool. Um, Some Puerto Rican, but I feel like I encounter Dominicans more. Uh, Then you get into Queens, and you get like Greeks and Italians few other different, um, different ethnic groups and what uh, No better living like a uh, New York living you think? No better? It's a, it's, a, it's a rough life. Like you don't realize how much energy you're putting into life just the everyday. Well, you don't realize it if you like it. If you like New York and you just make these adjustments uh, subconsciously. Some people are conscious of it. Like I get off the train. I stop at the grocery store to get what I'm going to cook to eat that night and I don't get like groceries because I can't carry that much. Okay. If you just make that adjustment subconsciously, you're going to be fine. If you think about that every time you go to the grocery store, if you are lamenting the fact that you cannot get more than you carry, you're not going to like New York. Um, but it's, it's a rough life that to me, you know, it's great for so many people to experience it, and you can earn your stripes. I can say that. Uh, working advertising in New York and then coming back south, uh, the creative uh, the creative director who hired me, she said that I run hot, and I'm doing air airports, um, meaning that I'm kind of accomplishing a lot or doing a lot, a lot faster than everybody else, mm. and one of the things that she liked about it is that it brought new energy, and she was like, that only comes from somewhere like New York. Um, because paces faster. I got to think faster. I got to act faster. I got to understand three or four different things. Like, I leave my house and I'm thinking about the most efficient route that I can take to get everything done. Yeah. And when your mind is always on like that, it, it just it nurtures a kind of thinking that only that city nurtures.
0: I would think also living in the city like, that, like New York, um, you have to be very creative in, in your own right to do things that don't cost as much money, right?
1: Yes. Yeah. And that's, (laughs) in that case, creative is you get to know your bartenders. Yeah. Um, Yeah, more than anywhere. Like I had, some of my best friends were bartenders. I mean, I say some of my best friends. I became really good or close associates with, I I know one person who has a friend who was a bartender, but other ones like, you get to know their name and you know where they work and they know when you're coming and y'all talk, y'all rap and, you know, you get the check and it's a lot lower than it's supposed to be. Yeah, You can give them that card for that, but then you slip cash on the side and it's this—it's a nice relationship that you have. And actually because New York is, like there are so many bars and happy hours, um, that becomes an easy breezy way to have fun to me because happy hours kind of cheap for relative to nightlife. Like you go out, you can spend $14 for a drink, but you can still find $6 happy hours. Sure. And the reason for that is it's just competitive. Like everybody has happy albums, so what are you going to offer? Yep. Uh, but at night, it's competitive in a different way. Like, nobody's trying to pick the cheapest spot. It's like, you're here. It took a long time for you to get in. You're going to pay $14 for this drink. I'm not going to pay $14 for that drink, but yep. a lot of people will.
0: So I'm glad that this turned into a New York podcast. <laughs> <laughs> no, but honestly, um, I, I enjoyed the film. Yeah. Um, I would honestly actually say that it was probably up there as far as one of them. One of the one of my most favorite you know, romantic comedies because mm-hmm. it gives insights into relationships, into friendships. Um, so early in the '90s, too. There's so much different things that if you look back on it now, a lot of other kind of romantic comedies were are based off that structure. Uh, yeah, you know, I know, so how that works.
1: Um, your overall thoughts on the film? Um, I like it a lot, and it's one of the first movies that I can remember that put a woman in such a position of power, and I don't mean just like corporate power but having the upper hand in a relationship um and even being the quote-unquote player type although they, they never made her seem promiscuous I don't know if you noticed that but I never like that's right she was very much like why are you getting emotional or attached or, or whatever but you never got the impression that she had this like revolving door of men and I think that that's interesting because maybe that would have made you look at her differently and sure. maybe respect her less in different ways because of gender roles. But I really did. I liked how uh, there was a woman who had the upper hand in a relationship with this, with this dude who was fly and somebody who you wanted to be like. And it's like, Oh shit, she's flyer than him yeah. in some way. Like she had a higher position. Uh, she had the upper hand in terms of emotional and their dynamics. She ended up not, you know, getting the man, so to speak. But. Uh, that's kind of what I, what I liked
0: about that movie. The one, the one thing I liked about the movie is that it, not just African-Americans, but just people of color. It just put it, put... it kind of flipped the script so early in the 90s. It said, these people are part of... This, the part of society that everybody wants to be a part of. And,
1: bro, the only white people... I'm whispering that The yeah. only white people were punchlines. That's true. That's they true. were punchlines. Like... I don't remember, I didn't remember that then. I mean, and maybe it was comment. I would have and to go one, back and look at some other movies. I guess you can say that.
0: Even, even the client, the the French clients, they were making fun of them. Yeah,
1: they were punchlines, all of them. It's like, wow, y'all are just yeah. like really, y'all are going for it. Yeah. So that, that was funny. Um, so Eddie was Eddie was doing it for black people early on. Chris Rock was yeah. in that. Yeah, he had a. He done a little, little shout-out there as yep. a mail, mailman, mailboy. Yep, yep. so...
0: Because I know that Eddie kind of took him under his wing. He had a, a, a cameo in Beverly Hills
1: Cop as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. the ballet. Yep. I get 20 What the <laughs> fuck is this? <that? laughs> <laughs> no, 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 no. What? what is this? So Eddie was good about uh, putting on other comedians. And uh, again, as he's making his, his reappearance in different sequels and everything, it's, it's, it's nice to have this moment. I mean, did he have some some sore spots on his career? Yeah, most people do. In um, the Bill Cosby versus Eddie Murphy feud, I side with Eddie. Yeah, so do I. Yeah. So, all right, yeah. man. Kind of easy. <laughs> well, thanks a lot. I appreciate it. <laughs> Thank you. It was fun.
0: That's it, y'all. That's the end of the episode. Glad y'all enjoyed it and stuck with us. Hope y'all enjoyed the episode as we talked through the film Boomerang. Through our favorite scenes, through relationships, through friendships, camaraderie with our boys. Uh, hope you all enjoyed uh, this episode. And thank you very much to my buddy Brandon for joining me to discuss New York, advertising, relationships, and the film. And if you have any questions, let me know at www.nestedquerypodcast.com or nestedquerypodcast at gmail.com. Take care. Bye.